Father, we thank you for this morning again. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's guidance and teaching. We welcome you into our homes today, into our ears and our eyes, and into our hearts today. Help us to be focused on you in this moment, but may it also reverberate with us in the hours and days and weeks to come, because your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray that you would be active in our lives this morning, this day, this evening, and we thank you now in the name of Jesus together. Amen. You know, beloved, the scripture tells us over and over again that Jesus' purpose in coming was to go and to die on a cross for us and instead of us. In other words, to die in our place. And and the Bible tells us that the reason that Jesus did that, that that was his main purpose in coming, was because that is what was required and necessary, the essential component in order to remove the barrier that keeps us separated from God. So that when you uh, come and understand uh, that you are a sinner before God and that you confess that sin and uh, you, you give your, your wrongdoing over to God, you ask his forgiveness that now he uh, removes that barrier and welcomes you into fellowship with himself. But the Bible also talks about the importance of the purpose of his resurrection, that the resurrection is God's stamp of validity, saying that he really does have very real power to conquer death and authority over death, to reassure you that he actually can deal with that barrier that divides you away from God. But the question on this Sunday after Easter is what about after resurrection? What what is Jesus' desire after Easter? We know that so much of the scripture moved and flows up to the coming of Jesus into the world and, and into his resurrection and death and resurrection. But what about after Easter and, and all that comes because of Easter? Today we are going to spend our time looking at the first chapter of Acts, a portion of it. And we're going to see today that God has promised, God has promised, and in the meantime, He purposed us to work with Him in His kingdom. God has made a promise, and in the meantime, He has purposed us for Him. We're going to read in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus in the days after the resurrection, how He encountered the disciples, and we're going to be reminded of the, the final promise that is left unfulfilled yet that is coming and uh, how God has purposed us in the meantime until that promise is fulfilled. So here we read in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, it says, After his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, 
He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. May God add his wisdom to the reading of his word. You see, beloved, God has made a promise and we're reminded of that promise here. And we're reminded of what our purpose is as followers of Jesus in the meantime, in the time between the moment the promise was given and the time the promise is fulfilled. We have, we live in this in-between time and we have a purpose, a purpose given by God, a commission by God, you have been commissioned to work with God in his kingdom. God's promise is that he will return again. We're going to talk about that a little bit later today. But God's purpose for us, we see and we pick it up in verse 3. We're going to read it again. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. We're told right off uh, the the bat here in the beginning opening words of of this book of the Bible, Acts, that after his suffering, we're reminded that Jesus has died. And uh, what happened on Friday before Easter when he was arrested and executed, it was a very real death. There was very real grief and a very real burial that came. And you remember last week, perhaps, uh, you will remember that, that we talked about when Jesus was laid in the grave, that, that everybody thought their hopes had been buried with him. You see, they, they assumed that Jesus was going to do something certain and something different than what they uh, actually experienced in him. But when he died and he was buried in that tomb, the, the reality is that their hopes for what Jesus would be and become and do for them was buried with him. And that's what makes the resurrection so powerful for us today, even today, is that it reminds us that hope is not lost, even even in the worst of circumstances, that God is still with us, that he is still alive and well, and that there's a promise yet to be fulfilled in his great timeline of his purposes. After his suffering, you see, there was a very real death of Jesus. It wasn't pretend. He didn't just uh, swoon on the cross or uh, didn't just appear to be dead. In fact, the Roman soldiers, their tasks, the the ones who were tasked with the execution of Jesus, their very lives depended on them doing their job very well. And people of the first century, they knew what death was. They were around death more than many of us are today in a a very real sense. We, in our day and age, we're, we're very sanitized from death. Uh, but people in the first century, they, they knew when someone was dead. And they knew that a, a person that was dead for three days and buried for three days doesn't come back to life again. And that's part of what made this very real death and the very real grief so deep and painful for them. But it's also what made such real surprise on Easter morning. That not only after his suffering, but Jesus came and showed them that he was alive again. The tomb was empty. That's what we uh, focused on last week. The surprise, that idea of surprise may not even be the best word to describe what the disciples were experiencing that moment. Probably shock 
is a better word. It's a heavier word. It's at least to me, it's one that that I'm overwhelmed. I'm bowled over. I cannot believe what is happening in this moment. It was total shock for them. The women who were the first at the tomb, they were completely stunned. They arrived there seeing the stone had been rolled away and found the tomb empty. And they were stunned at what happened. Not because their first thought was resurrection. It's because they thought that Jesus' body had been uh, stolen and uh, someone has been doing all sorts of crazy things. He He uh, was not raised from the dead. That wasn't their first conclusion. When the women went back to report to the the men, of course, the men didn't believe them either. And uh, that was not the first thought in their minds. They thought uh, something uh, really uh, wild and, and unsavory was happening with the body of Jesus. And that's what made his resurrection for them so shocking and so wonderfully welcome for them. They thought when he had been buried that their hopes were buried with him. But now, if it could really be true that Jesus is alive after three days in the grave, then what might it mean for their life and how deeply would their life be changed? And that's what the book of Acts really is all about. And then I love the way the Bible describes how after his suffering that Jesus comes and and he presents himself to them. Can you picture that for a minute? It's such a tender and grace-filled way of God saying again, Here I am for you because I love you. Jesus came out of mercy and out of grace-filled love for you and, and for these first disciples that he came and presented himself to them. For 40 days he did so. He started at the empty tomb and he met some of the women there and then he would meet the disciples in the upper room and at other times on a mountain and then there's a group of 500 others who we are told encountered and interacted with the living Jesus. He, he presented himself to them over a period, long period of time, many different settings, many different people, all swore and bore witness to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, and it totally transformed their life. You see, it says that with many convincing proofs, the Bible says, that Jesus presented himself to them as being alive. So they didn't have to guess. They didn't have to wonder, is it true? In fact, he would come and he would offer his wounds to be touched. Touch my hands where the nails have been. Touch the place of my side where the soldier put the spear on me. Uh, let, let me come and see that I really am uh, uh, risen from the dead. I really am the Jesus that was crucified, buried, and here I am again. Uh, he would come and eat food in front of them. Uh, demonstrating that he was not some sort of disembodied spirit uh, that had no compartments or physicality to store the food that would go into his mouth and down his esophagus and land in a very physical, real stomach. All of these details are important. And they're, they're meaningful to us because he's demonstrating them and proving to them time and again that it really was Jesus, not some imposter, not some pretender, uh, not some body double. And what's so great is that he knew them by name. He knew them by name. He knew where to find them. He would go on the banks of the seashore when seven of the disciples had gone out to fish again. He met them on the seashore there knowing where he would find them. And they became changed people. 
You see, they, they now had, after the resurrection of Jesus, their whole center of gravity of their world shifted. And you know how important gravity is in the world, don't you? In, in our universe, our solar system, we know that, that the sun serves as, as the great center of gravity for our solar system and all the planets uh, rotate around it in, in their year-long cycle. And, and we know the importance of gravity. And you know that if you take something out of your pocket, you hold it out, and you open your hands, you know it's not going to go up. Uh, it might go sideways if the wind is blowing, but you know eventually it's going down because gravity is a force that is pulling on it. You see, it's so much the same for these disciples. After the resurrection, their lives were so completely different. They were so radically changed from the inside out that they had a new center of gravity. And their whole world rotated now, was drawn to the purpose of God that they understood to be in Jesus. And Jesus gives them this new purpose. He gives them a new purpose, a new commission, that now even though He physically is going to be removed from them, that they still had His presence and His Spirit with them to go forward with them. You see, their center of gravity is found in verse 8. Their, their commission and their purpose is read and given in verse 8. He says uh, in that, that verse, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will talk about me. You will serve me. You'll serve me in your hometown of Jerusalem. You'll serve me in the, the outskirt regions of Judea and Samaria. You'll go even to the ends of the earth and my word and my gospel and the reality of my death and resurrection through you will be shared with the entire world. That is your purpose until the final promise of my return is fulfilled. And so there's no question, brothers and sisters, about what we are to be about as a church and what we are to be about as followers of Jesus. You see, we... We are not just uh, trust fund Christians, meaning that, that we are people that, that have received the blessings of God and, and then we do nothing out of response or responsibility for that, that blessing. God has called you and me, He has called us to be a blessing to others. God doesn't bless you just, just for the blessing to sit on you and to be stagnated in you. God has called you and He's blessed you so that through you He can bless your hometown, He can bless your, your home, He can bless your neighborhood, He can bless your school, He can bless your workplace. When you're able to get back to those places, uh, he, He's called you and He's blessed you so that through you, God, might bless all the way to the ends of the earth. That is God's intent for you and for us as a church is to be in this purpose, in His purpose. You remember, the Bible says in this passage, it reminds us some of the very last things Jesus was talking to the disciples about was the kingdom of God and your place in God's kingdom and your purpose in God's kingdom is to receive the blessing of God, absolutely, but then to pass that blessing on to other people. That's what your purpose is intended to be. And it's what God wants for you. That's why He gives you the Holy Spirit. It's not just for your healing, it's for the healing of the nations. It's not just so that, that your problems can be uh, brought to Him, but so that the nations might be healed. And those who are today far from God can be brought near because they too might have their sin 
dealt with. And Jesus can grab hold of them and give them a new sense of hope and a new sense of future. You see, these people were so totally and radically changed that their center of gravity was different. And now the purpose of God pulled them. The purpose of God beckoned them. The purpose of God would not be refused in their heart. Can you imagine coming to these people, these men and women, after the resurrection of Jesus and after this commission, they had seen Jesus be killed and buried. They had seen Jesus now with their own eyes over 40 days raised from the dead. Now they watch and they hear his final commission and they watch him ascend back to the heaven to be beside the father there at the right hand. And do you think they had to be conjoled somehow to fulfill their purpose in God? No way. They were completely and radically changed from their inside of their life out because they had encountered the risen Jesus and that made all the difference for them. They knew their purpose. They didn't have every answer to every question. In fact, they asked Jesus a question here. They say, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you now finally going to take the the oppressive rule of the Romans off of us so that, that we as a Jewish nation might emerge? And Jesus says, that's not the bigger purpose here, guys. He says, my purpose is for you to be in the kingdom of God and to be inviting others to be in God's kingdom as well. It's not for you to know the times or the dates. That's not what our focus is. So do not get sidetracked on things that are less important. Keep the main thing the main thing. The kingdom of God and the purpose that God has for you is to be living in God's kingdom and inviting others into that kingdom. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says, as the Holy Spirit empowers you. You'll be my witnesses both right where you live, to the surrounding region, and all the way to the ends of the earth. That is uh, one of the emerging purpose, the emerging purpose of our church. We have shared with you a, a renewed mission statement, and this is what it is. We are, we are wanting to be a church that calls Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus Calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. Why would this be a mission statement for this church, Tiburon Baptist Church? Is because it connects us to fulfill the purpose of Acts chapter 1. That we can be people engaged in following God and inviting others into what Jesus has for them. The last focal point I want us to have here is the promise of God. We've, We've heard now... That God has given us a purpose in the meantime. And now let's return to the promise now. Uh, As Jesus is is ascending back to heaven, some angels appear beside these guys. And in verse 11, they, they say this to them. They say, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It's an echo This isn't the first time they've heard this. Jesus has been talking about it. Uh, It's an echo and a reminder that Jesus will come back again. Jesus promised in the Gospel of John that if he goes, uh, he is going to prepare a place for those who have been called for his purpose. And he will not leave us as orphans, but he's going to come back to take us so that we might be with him forever and ever. And so this became for the early church the great hope that that there's yet one more promise yet to be fulfilled. And that is the, the coming, the final coming of Jesus, the Messiah, into our life. And that when he does that, the end will come. And all everything that is broken, all of the viruses in the world, all of the lack of work in the world, 
all of the broken relationships in the world, everything that is wrong and tainted with the world that we are tasting right now, there will come a day when all of that is repaired and fixed and made right again. Everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden will be set right again when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness on this earth. I love the very last few verses of God's scripture and revelation. We're reminded, even on the very last pages, of what the last hope and promise uh, is. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus speaking, Yes, I am coming soon. And then the writer of, of Revelation says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Beloved, I pray that that is your hope in your life and that you are fixed on the return of Jesus, awaiting his return, praying for it, anticipating it, and being patient for it. It's been some time since this promise was made, hasn't it? Thousands of years have gone by, but yet God is not slow to fulfill his promise. We still wait in eager anticipation for the return of Jesus into our world. It might be this day. It might be another thousand years from now. We don't know. Our concern is not about dates or times, but our concern is to be living in the purpose of God until His promise is fulfilled. You see, God has promised and He's purposed us in the meantime. That's what our life is all about. That's the gravitational pull of our life. The promise of God and our forever life with Him when Jesus returns. And until that moment happens, we are to be full throttle toward the purpose of God. And that is living in His kingdom and inviting others into that same promise. Dear friend, what is your life wrapped around today? What is your life focused on today? What is it? That has been drawing your life in recent days, recent weeks, recent months. You know, sometimes in seasons of real hardship, there are parts of our life that get revealed to us that maybe in the normalcy of life we are unaware of, we are unattentive to. And maybe during this season, God's Spirit is stirring in you and revealing in you that there have been things that have called to you and have demanded your attention that are not from God. Maybe you've realized that there's a gravitational center of your life that pulls you away from the risen Jesus. Well, I want you to know that today can be the day where you can let God resort that gravity in your life. That you can have a new center of gravity that draws you toward it. One that is healthy, one that is wholesome, one that is eternal, one that is boundless in its love for you. That is Jesus, and He calls your name today. And so what will you do if you would sense God stirring in your heart this morning or this evening, whenever you're watching and participating in this service? How will you respond to, to the living God? He would invite you today to confess your sin, to agree with Him, that He... He can cleanse you from your sin and if you would give it to Him, you have to release it to Him and ask Him and He wants to forgive that of you. He wants to make you new again. The Bible gives these great images of being new creations. When, when we give ourselves over to the Lord Jesus and, and we ask Him to rescue us out of ourselves so that we can live for His purpose, not my own. 
that we're, we're renewed and made clean again. God wants to do that for you today. God can do that for you today. Would you offer yourself to Him? Would you ask Him to be the centerpiece, the gravity that pulls your life, not just this moment, but for the rest of your life? I'll tell you, brother or sister, that you'll never make a better decision in all of your life. Because God loves you so much, and He has such a great desire and future for you, a future that's with Him and His purpose. Won't you live in it now? God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. We thank you, God, that you are living and loving. We thank you that you have made a promise that uh, we still wait for and anticipate this day. We are waiting for your return again. One day to claim uh, those who are yours to be with you forever and ever. And to repair and to restore all that is broken and wrong and spoiled in this world will be made new and right again. And we thank you for that. And we wait for that. And we ask you to give us perseverance for that. Because we can, we can endure with your strength and presence with us. And we ask you, God, to give us the strength that we need this day and again tomorrow and again the next day and so forth. And I pray today that anyone who is hearing my voice, if they do not yet know what it is to confess their sin and, and to open their life to you, Jesus, and to let you come in and cleanse them and, and to draw them into your family and to be adopted and to be given your name, to be known by name with you, that today might be the day when they would say, Jesus, yes, won't you come? Won't you make me new? Won't you let me be with you? We pray that you bring salvation to these lives this day because you love them. And not only have you promised them a future, but God, you have given them a purpose. You've given us a purpose in the meantime that we would live in your kingdom and as we live in your kingdom, that we would be inviting and drawing others into your kingdom. God, may our church be just what our mission statement is intending to communicate. That we would be calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. Hallelujah and amen.